Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than deny myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here, so let's get excited to talk to today's guest. everybody and welcome to episode 46 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today I'm here with Russ Shanahan and Russ is from Pennsylvania. Now I'm very excited to have Russ here today because he is the creator of the Happy Scale app and I've actually been a fan of Happy Scale since my dieting days well before I wrote any books or had any Facebook groups. So welcome Russ. Hi Jen. Thank you. Yeah, so I love Happy Scale, so I definitely want to talk about that a good bit today because it really fits in with my philosophy of, you know, how we should weigh ourselves and, you know, why and, you know, what sort of tracking is really useful for us. And I really want to get into that a good bit. And I'm sure you have a lot to add about that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've I've thought about it many times over the years. Just once (laughs) or twice, once or twice. and. Just a little funny story before we get into it. You know, my son, Cal, is the one who developed the Window Intermittent Fasting Tracker app. And he made that just initially for me. And when he was going to be adding some features to it, I said, I want it to have weight tracking and I want it to be like happy scale. So, you know, anyway, that was just a moment that I wanted to to share with you. Before we get into the ins and outs of Happy Scale, though, tell me about your own intermittent fasting journey and background and what actually brought you to intermittent fasting. Sure. I think right back in December of 2017, I was working and I had YouTube on in the background playing some music. And then YouTube started doing that thing where it started playing like random stuff after your music ran out and just something came on and I wasn't really paying attention to it, but it kind of caught my ear. It was an interview with 
a woman named Dr. Rhonda Patrick, I think is her name. Yep, that's her name. Yeah, and she was doing an interview, and she was talking about intermittent fasting in the interview, and it was the first time I heard about it, and my ears perked up because weight's something I've wrestled with my entire adult life, and everything I've tried, like, I've been successful in losing weight before, but it's always been, like, once I get to my goal, you know, things just kind of drift back to wherever, you know, and so... I don't know. There was something about the way that she was talking about it that my ears really perked up. And I thought, this sounds like something that would really fit well into all of the areas of my life where like, I've struggled with my diet in the past. Yeah. I think a lot of us felt that way as someone else. You know, I've always struggled with my weight through my adult life. Somehow, even though it didn't stick for me when I first heard of intermittent fasting, I, I knew it was the answer. Even though I still, I had to struggle for a few years to make it work for me, I was like, this is going to be it. So it sounds like that's kind of the way it was when you heard Rhonda Patrick talk about it. Yeah, I kind of had this psychological profile of all of the the mental barriers that I would run into, you know, when there was a blip in your progress and like you start to wonder if you can keep going or, you know, when you finish up and like you just completely give up on what you were working on before because like, you know, for whatever reason, everything that she was saying, it felt like, oh, I wonder if this is the way that I could, I'd be able to maintain this for my whole life. And so I got very curious about it at that point. Yeah, that's the key. You know, you mentioned earlier, you would lose the weight, but then you would stop and it would come back on. Same with me. Because those things were just not like really something that you or I could make happen for a lifetime. I know some people can, you know, somebody may have a diet and they are able to stick to it every day for the rest of their lives, but it just didn't feel that way for me. Mm -hmm. Any of the, you know, the quote diets before intermittent fasting, which of course is not a diet. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. So you, you felt like you could stay with it forever. Yes. Yeah. It felt like something that would fit in with the way, you know, I remember... Eating has always been a way of kind of papering over other areas of my life. If I had to deal with stress or anger or sadness, like a lot of times I would turn to food. And I remember, (laughs) it's ridiculous to say, but it's true. Every time in the past that I'd lost like 40 or 50 pounds, I'd be so happy about it. But there'd be this little part in the back of my head that was kind of thinking like, I just deposited a lot of money into the bank account. And now if I need to get through a very stressful period, like if work just gets really crazy or something really bad happens, I'll know that like I'll be able to eat my way through all of those stressful things in life. And I've saved up this bank account of lost weight. And that's really something I've carried with me for 20 years is that way of thinking about weight loss is like, this is just like a temporary kind of loan that I've made to myself so that I can get through other hard things in my life. And it's never been something that I've thought about in a way that I could hang on to. Now, when I do intermittent fasting, like I never want to stop doing this. This feels like the way, this feels like the way that I can get through all those stressful times in and of itself. Right. And so I'm very excited about the fact that like, I no longer have to think about all my weight loss is just this thing that I'm going to burn up and spend later. You know, that is such an interesting way of thinking about it. It's now my mind is spinning. I've never, I didn't ever think about it that way, but I can see how you might've, it was like, you knew there was going to be a yo-yo. You knew you were going to yo-yo back up. So you're like, well, I'm going to get down now. Then I can yo-yo back up and then I can get back. Yeah, I can see that. Mm -hmm. And I knew that there were other areas of my life where, you know, maybe I wanted to achieve. And if I could just not worry about eating right for a while, then like maybe I could like move forward in another area of my life and just kind of bounce around between different areas of my life, but never really have any balance and like stable state. Because it took a lot of mental energy and focus to diet, right? To stay on that weight loss kind of train, you know, before intermittent fasting. So you couldn't really devote to the dieting and other things. So you would let the dieting go for a while and focus on something else. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Yeah. I've always felt like I've approached life as like every day when I wake up, there's like one 
extra credit thing that I'm really reaching for in life. And I'll kind of pick like a theme or something that I'm working towards. And I will say no to other things that aren't fitting in with the thing that I'm working on right now. So when it was dieting, I would be very focused on dieting. But when it wasn't dieting, I'd let it all slip. Yeah. But with intermittent fasting, you don't have to choose. Exactly. Yeah. Intermittent fasting feels like a way, it's actually easier than anything that I've done before. Like it really enables other areas of my life. It's simpler for me to stick to intermittent fasting than to not do it at all. You know? I agree with that. Yeah. You know, have you taken some days where you, you didn't do intermittent fasting along the way and then you just see how bad you feel and then you're like, ugh, why am I doing this? Yeah. Yeah. I think in December of 2017, when I first heard about it, I started experimenting with 16-8. I had like three one-month periods where I experimented with it. And then I really started to get into intermittent fasting in January of 2019. 19, 2019? Yes. Yeah. So it was about 13 months from the time I first learned about it to the time that I started doing it every single day consistently. Well, that was faster than me because I started experimenting in 2009 and I didn't get serious till 2014. So (laughs) you had a much shorter learning curve than I did. So that's good. So 2019, you really got into it. Yeah. And I will say that I had an advantage over you because- I like learning about things and I really like learning about things through podcasts. So after that Rhonda Patrick interview, I started looking for intermittent fasting podcasts. And that's when I found yours and Melanie's uh, intermittent fasting podcast. And I just started like episode one, episode two, episode three, you know, like every time I went to walk the dog, I was listening to it. So it took you five years, but like you were kind of one of the Lewis and Clarks of the field. Yeah, I guess so, really. Yeah, when you look at it that way. <laughs> I was wandering around in the wilderness for about four years <laughs> or five. Yeah. Yeah. And you came up with a great survey of the landscape, too. And I think hearing all of your stories and all the things that you've learned from your own experiences and from like talking to other people in the community. That was kind of how I spent my 2018 is just learning the landscape of the whole thing. And then I was like, all right, let's do this thing. Well, I'm now I'm like fascinated with your analogy because, you know, I think of all the researchers are the Lewis and Clark. I could just be Sacagawea, right? <laughs> <laughs> They're doing the science and I'm just along with them showing them stuff. So that I'll, I'll be Sacagawea. <laughs> That's the way we pronounced it. I grew up in Virginia and I went to Camp Sacagawea, which was a Girl Scout camp. So that's how we said it. But I think other people pronounce it differently. So if I'm saying it wrong, apologies. Yeah, the way you're saying it is how I've always known it. But I will say that anecdotal stories have always been the way that I've really connected with ideas and just the way that people conversationally talk about the ins and outs. I'm glad that people do science, but I'm really glad that people are reading those reports and then turning them into anecdotal stories because that's how I like to get my information. So, yeah, I agree. You know, I love to read the studies, but you know, you read them and First of all, they're written with so much jargon. You have to look at them several times to figure out what what they're saying. And really, a lot of it is so controlled. Our real lives are not that controlled. Yeah. You know, we're doing our thing. So you have to take what's in the study and think, all right, let's apply this to the real world. (laughs) Because we're not going to a lab every day with a scientist who's measuring our whatever. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, so I think there's a great deal of value. You know, we just hit yesterday combined membership of 215,000 people. Oh, my God. In my three Facebook groups, I know. And so we've got a great deal of anecdotal evidence going on here, you know, of what's working, what's not working, what how we can tweak things. And I, I think there's a lot of value there. Yeah, I think there's just so much value in that because it takes time. It takes time to wait for scientific reports to come out. Right. And there's like, you know, what can you get funding for and what are they directed at? And I just love hearing people's stories. And that's how I connect with the journey myself. And we also, we're living it long term. You know, those of us that have been doing it for years, you know, there are people in the groups that have been there since I started them in, you know, 2015. And then there's people who are, you know, joining right this minute. But we've got the large group of people who have all sorts of different experience levels. And so people are joining that may have been doing intermittent fasting outside of our groups. And now they're coming in and they've been doing it for a long time. So 
lots and lots of valuable information to be gathered. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. So January of 2019, you really got serious. What did you do at that point? Like, how did you design your lifestyle? Yeah, the truth is that it was December 8th, a month prior, I started it. And that was 16-8. I was very much focused on just like, can you build the habit of doing this? And so I was not looking for weight loss results. I was not looking for any kind of results. I just wanted to kind of build a pattern. And then when I got to January 8th, I was a month in and I wasn't seeing any weight loss progress yet. Part of that's understandable. I had just gotten through the holiday season and, you know, so, but I was thinking like, okay, I feel like I have solidified this habit enough that I can start playing with the parameters a little bit and see if I can start using this to achieve some of my weight loss goals. Because I've been in the 300 pound range for most of my adult life. And I was 295 pounds on January 8th. And so that was when I was like, all right, you know, let's see what you can do. And so what I started experimenting with was trimming down my eating window from eight hours down to, in January, I was experimenting with five and six hours. That's a great start for people. You know, you found the eight-hour window worked for you, especially over the holidays, as more of a maintenance-type eating window. Mm-hmm. What happened when you switched to that five or six-hour window? When I started switching to the five or six, I also started exercising aerobics every day, and that's when things really started to pick up for me, and I started losing weight at that point. I think I was losing about 2.1 pounds a week at first then. And, and, you know, I can tell you're a a math guy because you said about (laughs) (laughs) 2.1, where that 0.1 is your approximation. It was about 2.1. I don't know. (laughs) Right. Yeah. How many decimal points do you, if you've used happy scale, you probably can surmise that I'm I'm quite a numbers guy. How many significant digits could you take that to? Right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like reciting pi. It's like 18 digits it goes out. Yeah, that's funny. So about two, about 2.1 pounds per week. That's a really good rate. <laughs> that, I think that's a great rate of loss, which is my point. <laughs> I was really happy about it because there are so many psychological issues with trying to lose weight. And one of the things that always tripped me up in the past was this nagging feeling like, okay, like you're losing weight, but The life that you used to know is over as forever. And like, you're never going to have pizza again. You're never going to have burritos again. Like, just get used to this new baseline level of suffering. This is your life now. And it's like, and that nagging thought would be in my head all day long. And I'd be like, you know, just keep going, Russ. Like, forget about that, you know. (laughs) But it's always there. And The beauty of intermittent fasting was that like the title of your book, Delay Don't Deny, I would, I would say that to myself like 500 times a day in those early days of like, you know, like, oh, you want a burrito and you can't have it. Russ, just wait, like delay, don't deny, you know, tomorrow is going to be here before you know it. You can go have whatever you want then, but like, just make it through the next couple of hours and then you can do whatever you want. That was liberating from this nagging idea that like, I would never have the foods that I loved again. I think that's huge. And that's really the way it was for me too. Of course, you know, if you're not surprised, I came up with that title. (laughs) 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 That's really the thing because, you know, there was a time in 2014 before I really, you know, committed to intermittent fasting, you probably have heard me talk about my keto summer. I did a whole summer of keto. And I was one of those like you, Russ, I fully committed. I was like, I'm going to be keto for the rest of my life. I bought like hundreds of dollars of keto cookbooks and books and special tools. And I was like, this is it because this is going to work. And I am never going to eat, you know, whatever it is again. I'm just going to do this. (laughs) (laughs) And it'll be worth it. I'm going to deny myself of all these carby, sugary things. But you know what? I can use Swerve. I can make brownies out of whatever keto, you know, I can make cauliflower. You know, I was going to 
make it work. But I was never going to get to have those things again. And by golly, I stuck to that for the whole summer and I didn't lose any weight. But <laughs> Right. Yeah. It didn't work for my body and it was hard. And then intermittent fasting felt like a joy after that because I was like, I can just have it later and I'm going to eat it. And then I finally started to lose weight. It was like, you know, the angels were singing. Yeah. You know, I'm really happy that keto works for some people and I know they're out there. <laughs> oh, yeah. People write into me from the app and say like, hey, I've lost weight. I did keto, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that's awesome. I'm so happy for you. I feel like everybody's got like a different key that unlocks their brain. And this feels like the key that fits for me. I'm happy to have it. And I'm happy for those people to have what they want too. But yeah, I agree with that. And I'm not anti-keto at all because I know there are a lot of people that when they try keto, their brains do what ours have done. They, they go, oh, you know, and they're like, this is it. This is the way I feel my best. You know, that was not true for me. I didn't feel good that whole time I was doing it. It was not the magic key for my brain. Mm-hmm. You know, Jen, I wonder if you've had this experience or if you can relate. When I was starting out, the thing that really got me interested in it before I was even losing weight was I discovered this mental fog that has been something that I've carried around for years lifted. And this was a big deal for me because like I'm a computer programmer, I'm a knowledge worker, and like I've been so insecure about how my thinking has been muddled for years, but I feel like all of the years before intermittent fasting, I've always been at some kind of compromised mental state where I would have a hard time following conversations when like a boss was telling me what to do. Sometimes I would get like my mind would start to wander and I get distracted and I'd be like, oh God, like what have they been saying for the last minute? Like, and trying to piece it together again and just really not bringing my full self to the world. And I don't know what happened, but in December of 2018, when I really started to give it a go and I was like, okay, you got to do this. Like you got to do 16, eight every day just to establish a habit. I realized that like, I was suddenly seeing the world so clearly and I could like pay attention when people were speaking to me and I could do my work and I could focus on my work and I wouldn't be having as many distracting thoughts. And so that, that was the thing that really got me interested in it before I started seeing weight loss. And I was wondering, have you ever had experiences like that? Well, yeah, I think that's ketones. It's your body making ketones for your brain. And so your our brain loves ketones. You know, that gives us that mental clarity that we feel during the fast. You know, a typical person who is not fasting and eating the, you know, three meals a day plus the snacks, they're getting their energy from blood glucose. And you've got that roller coaster up and down. And so your blood sugar drops, you feel foggy, you have to take some more food in to give your, you know, that hit of, of glucose. I used to be trapped on that roller coaster too. I had a really heavy latte habit to the point that I had a coffee machine in my classroom at school that made lattes. And I would go over there several times a day and make myself, they were only 70 calories, you know, right. <laughs> each. <laughs> and I, I would keep fueling up and when I switched to intermittent fasting and now you're getting into ketosis, you don't need that that hit because your body is turning your stored fat into ketones. And yeah, that's one of my favorite features. If I'm working on a writing project or if I have an interview, like I was on a radio show a few weeks ago and it was later than normal because they were central time. And I knew I wanted to be mentally sharp. So I didn't eat till after the interview because I wanted to have that clarity that comes from ketosis. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things. <laughs> I'm curious what it was like having the latte machine in the closet. Like, did the students ever ask questions about that? Oh, they knew that I drank a lot of coffee because I didn't hide it from them. I would go over there and pull it out. I did, was hiding it from, like, my principal. Okay. <laughs> we weren't supposed to have small appliances in the classroom. <laughs> well, teaching's a hard job. You know, whatever gets you through those days, right? One time, one of my assistant principals came in. She was doing an evaluation, and I had been making a cup in the back when she came in, and I had to, like, quickly <laughs> try to hide. I was talking real loud so she wouldn't hear it making the noise. <laughs> I don't think she noticed it. <laughs> 
but I didn't ever get busted. You know, eventually I like said, look, I've got this. I mean, you know, you know, the administrative team changed a little bit. And I was like, I have this coffee maker. I'm very safe with it. I just wanted you to know. It was <laughs> just coming clean at this point. Yeah. I just came clean, but I wasn't going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to carry that secret around anymore. <laughs> I wasn't. Yeah. Anyway, I'm one of those rule following people, you know, I, I will break the rule, but I'm really worried about getting caught. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yes, I no longer needed that. You know, I didn't have the afternoon slump anymore. With fasting, I don't have that. And that's what's so much better. Yeah, yeah. And when I talk about like how I've thought about like the bank account of weight loss and how like I can't wait to spend this. Using food to get through any stressful situation seems like such a backwards way to do it. Now that I know that like I feel so much clarity and so much energy to face the world now that I have this habit established, you know? Yep. That's exactly right. Now, let's talk about your weight loss overall. How's that been in the time since January? I know you mentioned 2.1 pounds a week, but how's that added up? Yeah, I've got all the stats written out for you here. So, Well, I can't wait to hear them. I knew that you would. I just knew it. Yeah, I wanted to have my numbers ready, Jen. So. I would love to see your graph, your happy scale graph. I'm picturing it now, you know, because people share their happy scale graphs every single day mm-hmm. in the Facebook groups. But tell me about yours. Yeah, so I was 295.1 on January 8th. The day that we're recording today is August 1st. And I weighed 234.1. So that is 61 pounds lost in 29 weeks and two days. And that is about 2.1 pounds a week throughout and about 0.95 kilograms a week for all the European listeners. <laughs> I know they will appreciate having that number. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. How long has it been since you've been a- around this weight? The one that I'm at right now? Yes. Like a day? No, but I mean like in the past. Have you dieted down to this weight before? Oh, <laughs> it's funny because I've been tracking my weight daily since 2007. And so my personal happy scale graph goes back 13 years. 12 years. The very, very lowest weight I ever recorded in Happy Scale was 230. And that was right when I met the woman who would become my wife. And so right around the time we started dating, you know, there's a lot of like going out to eat together and everything. And then, you know, the weight has gone up from there and I never really got down to 230 again. And so I'm currently four pounds away from the lowest weight I've ever recorded in Happy Scale, and I'm so excited to bust through. I love that. What year was that? That was in 2007. Okay. Fabulous. All right. So, yeah, I knew that was probably, you were probably about to get somewhere like that. That's why I brought it up. So good. So by the time this airs, you'll be way below that (laughs) because this is going to come out September 12th. That's when this is, so we've got, you know. Well, yay. That's very exciting. So I know that it'll be a really big day when you get below the lowest weight you've ever seen on Happy Scale. But now I'm picturing all that green. You know, your graph is going down, down, down. Green, green, green. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's such a nice thing to wake up to, you know. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I actually have a friend. She was my college roommate. She's my oldest friend, knows all my secrets. But She's been dabbling with intermittent fasting for several years. And I talk about this in Delay, Don't Deny. She was the creator of the shot of rice diet that I mentioned in the book when we were trying to diet in college. We would microwave a shot of rice in water, and then we would drink a lot of beer. And we really lost. We were so skinny. (laughs) 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 But anyway, like most of us, she had some trouble maintaining her weight as we're getting older. You know, we're in our 50s now. She'd been dabbling with intermittent fasting, but not really being very consistent. And she would weigh every morning. She always weighed every morning, but she didn't write it down. She just would weigh and then use that information. And so she said that if she got on the scale and her weight was up, she'd be like, well, the heck with it. Forget it. I'm just going to eat. Or if she would get on the scale and her weight was down, she'd be like, well, I'm on, on a great, you know, downward movement. It's working. I can eat. You right. Know, so she- <laughs> 
and, and I get it, you know. Yeah. Oh, yes. She still was, you know, loosely doing intermittent fasting and it had stopped her from gaining weight, but she was at a weight higher than she saw as her goal. And so she wanted to be lower, but never could get there. But she was still, you know, loosely intermittent fasting. And then guess what she started using this spring as her tool? Happy Scale. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. She started using Happy Scale and she said that all of a sudden it took away that thought because she could see the trend. Right. Instead of worrying about what today actually was. And so she started doing that this spring and she hit her goal weight for the first time in years and is now maintaining right there where she wants to be. And she credits it with Happy Scale. I'm actually going to see her in a couple of weeks. I thought I'd share that with you. Oh, I'm getting goosebumps right now. That is so nice to hear. (laughs) So you and I together have helped her figure this out. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And, you know, when we talked about like keto works for some people and intermittent fasting works for some people and whatever, I feel like happy scale is definitely something that works for me because I like to record my weight every day so that I can get all the data points and be able to pick up that trend and smooth out the curve to see what's going on. And I know that there are people in the group who I think that there is another great strategy for using the scale, which is like shove it in the closet for a couple of months, you know? Yeah, yeah. I threw mine in the garbage. but Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's really incredible how much power that really inaccurate device can hold over our whole day, you know? Yeah, it's true. And, you know, you've read Delay, Don't Deny. You know that I weighed daily and calculated my weekly average, but I was doing it on a piece of paper. (laughs) I would get out my calculator on Friday and add and then divide by seven and have my weekly average. And, And I would also graph it on a piece of graph paper. Like I drew my line with a pencil to graph my weight like that. I don't know why I'm old school, but I wasn't using Happy Scale at that time. Maybe it didn't sync with my scale. Mm-hmm. Happy Scale now syncs with all those scales, right? Yes. The ones that write to Apple Health, it does sync with. And I actually think that's really cool that you were doing it with like paper and calculators and graph paper because it feels like a really nice way to invest yourself in the process is like physically writing it out, you know, and taking that time and doing the long division. <laughs> this was back in the day before Apple Health Kit that, you know, synced with all the devices. So I just, I had a scale that was Bluetooth enabled and it would sync with the scale app, but it wasn't nearly as good as Happy Scale <laughs> as far as giving you that. I like the colors that you show. You have the green if your trend is on a downward trajectory, and then you have the red if your trend is moving up. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing I really like about it. So We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium, and specifically, Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. Green Chef is the number one meal kit for clean eating, delivering pre-portioned and prepped quality whole foods with limited processed ingredients. Green Chef sends organic, fresh produce, responsibly sourced proteins, and chef-designed recipes in every box for satisfying, nourishing, and convenient meals that fit in beautifully to my cleanish lifestyle, and the food is totally window-worthy. Tonight, we're having barbecue sweet potato tacos with cabbage and carrot slaw, black beans, corn, and cheesy tortillas, and they come with Green Chef's chimichurri sauce. 
so good. Go to greenchef.com slash ifstories50 and use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's greenchef.com slash ifstories50. And don't forget to use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. Explain how Happy Scale works for people who are not familiar. Because I really feel like now, if I were trying to lose weight, I would pull out a scale and I would weigh every day and I would use Happy Scale. So explain how it works. The way it works is every morning when you wake up, you use the restroom, whatever. That is going to be your baseline weight for the day for getting a data point. And so you hop on the scale, you collect that data point. Don't worry about if it's up, if it's down, whatever. Obviously, if it's like a new number, it's going to be like, I always celebrate that. But like, if it's up a little bit, you don't worry about it so much. You just put it into the app. And what it does is it starts looking at all the numbers. And it says like, Monday, you wait this, Tuesday, this, Wednesday, this. And it uses averaging and math and all kinds of formulas to come up with a kind of a line that cuts through all those data points and shows what the smoothed out line is. And so once you start getting going with it and you start seeing that smooth line appear, it can really take the venom out of the scale because even when the number is up, you know like, oh, well, this is just one of the updates, but like the trend line is still doing the trend line and I just have to trust the process and keep going. And you still see the green, you know, the color green shows that your trend is on a downward movement, which is so important. Yeah, there's a thing in the app. By default, it compares where your trend line is today to where it was 30 days ago. So there's always this perspective where your trend line might change its slope a little bit, but you can always see that like 30 days ago, you were in a much different place. And it's just a great way to keep everything in perspective and say like, everything's fine with the weight. I just need to keep working on this process because I feel like weight loss is just one of the secrets is just to keep going. If you can just do that, if you can just show up every day and keep going and get back on it, if you ever slip up, then that's a real key to success. I think you're right because You know, like the story I told about my friend, when her weight was up, she had the attitude of who cares, it's not working. Or when her weight was down, she would be like, yay, I can have a more relaxed day. When really, it's the consistency of sticking to your intermittent fasting plan, sticking to your eating window, not just say, forget it, you know, no matter what's happening. It's the consistency that keeps it over time trending downward. You know, and those daily fluctuations could be from anything. It could be from maybe you ate at a restaurant and you're, you know, you're retaining water from the sodium in the meal. And that's not a real indication of what's happening in your body. Absolutely. It's such a double-edged blade having scales because they are a great tool for tracking weight loss because you can take a measurement in three seconds every day. And anybody can come up with three seconds to fit this into their routine, you know? So it's not like you have to go out to that lab and have like your body composition thing done, you know, like, so it's really convenient, but you're collecting all kinds of superfluous data you don't want. Like how much water are you retaining or what are the glycogen stores like in your body or, you know, how much food mass is currently in your digestive system? Exactly. There's just so many factors that can really interfere with your actual reading of how is my fat loss process going that you really need to kind of average it out to see what the big picture is. Yeah, I think so. And I think that's what made the difference for me in 2014, the time that it really stuck. I mean, there's several things that were different. You know, I was like bound and determined this was it. Of course, I'd felt like that before. I also had some online support groups, which was also different. But that was when I really started doing the weekly averaging. You know, when I had that weekly average and I could see that my weight was down every single Friday, even though my weight that Friday might have been up from the previous Friday, you know, if I'd only been weighing once a week, I would have thought I'd gained weight that week, Mm -hmm. you know, because Friday to Friday was up, but my overall average was down. So I was like, okay, this is working. 
otherwise I would have gotten on the scale and seen I'm up two pounds this week from last week. This isn't working. I might as well quit. Mm -hmm. But my trend was down. So I was like, it is working. No quitting. This is the only time I didn't quit. (laughs) So I, I think it was so helpful to me. And I think that there's a lot of power in just honesty. I know that I've tried tracking calories before and it's been a spectacular failure because like, I hate doing that personally. Like I've always had a hard time building that routine into my system, you know, and I've noticed this pattern of like, when I eat a meal that I don't want to log, there's this thing in my head of like, oh, well, you just shouldn't put that in the system. You know, it can be the same thing with like tracking your weight is like, If you use a weight tracker, you might like hop on the scale and see a weight that you don't want to see. And you're like, that can't be a good data point. And so you just don't put it into the system at all. And I feel like really getting honest and just saying like, this is the data point today and actually bringing it into the system and having that honesty where like you just track everything and you are no longer refereeing which of the data gets in or not. It can be very, very empowering because once you have like that honesty and like you've taken the bite out of those numbers and actually recording things, then it just frees you up where like you can actually bring your whole self to your pursuits. Yeah, that actually strikes a nerve with me because I remember those days of like getting on the scale and it was higher than I thought it should be. So I would like get off and like mentally say, all right, now look, no, that's not right. (laughs) I might wiggle the scale a little. No, and I would stand on it again. Maybe I would exhale, (laughs) (laughs) blow out all that air. I've taken my socks off before. I've taken like. (laughs) Oh, maybe I should take off my wedding ring. (laughs) Yeah. It has been a long time since I've had a haircut. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I get it. Yeah. But you're right. Just, it's just a data point. No more. And the only reason I finally threw my scale away is just because I found myself in maintenance. And so I would, some of those diet thoughts would come up when my weight would go up. I would think, oh, no, I need to diet. And so I was like, no, I'm just going to go buy my clothes. And that's just been, you know, freeing for me at this point. You know, is there ever a time I might would pull the scale back out? Maybe. I'm not going to say never. But if I did, it would certainly be with happy scale. (laughs) I think I would use that over the, the paper pencil these days. Yeah. I have people write in and say, like, they used happy scale to get to their weight loss goal. And now they're not going to track their weight anymore. And I hear from people who use it to achieve their goal. And then they like to use it to make sure they're in maintenance. And, and I've heard plenty of people who have said, like, I've tried weighing myself and it's just like psychologically, it really messes with my head and I don't like doing it. And I want to put my scale away. And I think that everybody has to find the thing that works for them and makes them feel empowered and more power to anybody in just like trying different things and seeing what works. I'm 100% on that. And so, you know, sometimes people get the mistaken idea that I'm against weighing because I don't weigh now. But I'm just against weighing for me right now at this point in my life because of the way it was making me feel as I saw the daily fluctuations. Because I was in maintenance, I guess I had that fear, oh, no, my weight is going up, you know. And even though it wasn't, <laughs> you know, the next day it would be down and, and everything was fine. It was that moment every morning I had a little moment of, oh, no, what if it's up and up and up and keeps going up? So just getting rid of that completely has been helpful. And, you know, it's been, okay, what year is it? It's 2019. I haven't been on the scale since 2017. Mm-hmm. So it's been over two years. And I didn't like go backwards and have to get bigger clothes. I'm still wearing all the same clothes. So... But if, if, you know, my clothes started to get tight and I was like, you know what, I really need the honesty of a scale again for a while, that that's what I would do. Because mm-hmm. some people do need that feedback. They do need more frequent feedback. And I get it. I really like to have that feedback. And I think this gets back to what I like about hearing all the anecdotal stories from the Facebook group or this podcast or other, you know, podcasts. The scientific studies can really kind of take a big field and summarize it down to kind of like a average of like what works for some people and what doesn't work for some, you know, what works, what doesn't work. 
The thing I love about anecdotes is like you can hear from different people and they will all give you contrary information about what worked for them. And you start to get this picture in your head of all of these different things that you can try where somebody says that they like weighing every day and somebody says, I like to put the scale away. And you're like, oh, okay. So I guess different people think about this differently. And if one thing doesn't work for me, I can try something else because both of those people are success stories. And there are just so many different options and so many different things that you can try when you're trying to make things work that I really like anecdotes because I like hearing all the different options there are out there. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, what worked for me when I was losing weight and for the first year of maintenance was weighing every day. And then that stopped working for me. So I stopped doing it for that season of my life. So you're not even always going to be the same. Exactly. Just even in your own head. I mean, I needed the feedback of knowing if what I was doing was working. Because sometimes you wake up and you feel a little puffy and you're like, oh, am I gaining weight? And so we'll hear people in the Facebook groups who aren't weighing and they're like, I feel like I'm not losing weight. What should I do? And of course, we're like, well, we don't know if you are or not, so we can't help you. So feedback, you got to have something you know, to help you know if you're meeting your goals. And the scale is a great tool for that. You know, what you said about anecdote versus research, there is, I don't know if you've seen this before, but there is research showing that people who are successful with weight loss tend to weigh every day. Oh, okay. Have you ever seen that before? No, I have probably something I should know. <laughs> Well, now you do. There is research that shows that people who are successful with losing weight tend to be the ones who weigh every day. But just like you said, does that mean 100% of people must weigh every day if you want to be successful with weight loss? No. Right, right. Yep. It's still going to be individual. If the scale causes you to have mental angst, it's not working for you. But that's when, you know, a tool like Happy Scale could maybe change the way you talk to yourself when you get on the scale, like with with my friend who found the happy scale was that magical piece she needed. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, something to keep in mind because I'm not anti-scale in the least, even though I don't own one. Yeah. <laughs> and my son's like, how do I weigh my suitcase to know if it is too big for the plane? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I guess you go to the airport and they tell you. Yeah. <laughs> Always nice to discover these surprises at the airport of all the extra charges. There you go. I mean, you're going to pack that stuff anyway. I, that's the way I look at it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, let's talk about food for a few minutes. Mm -hmm. Have you changed the way you eat at all? Have tastes changed? I know that mine have, which surprised me because, you know, I wasn't expecting that. Now I, I eat differently just because my body has steered me in a different direction. Has that happened for you at all? I've heard you talk to other people about this, and I feel like I might be in a transition time right now. I still like a lot of the foods that I liked before. I'm definitely a lot more selective. I know that like I'm currently doing OMAD. I do about one or two hours a day. So that means like you get one big meal and then I'll usually have like some fruits or vegetables or something else to really make sure that I feel full. And then like I'm done. There are some foods that I just won't eat anymore. Like I used to really like eating like a big bowl of cereal in the morning. And now I think about eating cereal. And I'm like, well, I can't. I'm not going to spend my whole budget of what I can eat on a bowl of cereal. It's not window worthy. It's not window worthy. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have reached the food snob level of where it's got to be window worthy. Oh, I totally get that. Yeah. And I've also, I feel so much freedom to like, I feel like a normal person now, like, I always used to see the way other people would eat and they'd be like, I think I'll have a side salad. And I would think like, well, why would you get a side salad when you can get fries? You know, like now that I've got like this, I don't know. I've completely changed the relationship I have with food where now I think about like, what fuel do I want to put in my body today? It's not so much about like, What's going to taste great right now, you know? But a lot of days now I will go out and there's like a local grocery store where they have one of those salad bars. And I will go and I will make myself a salad and I get like the salad and I get some protein on it and I'll put dressing on it. And I really like it. 
I know that because I'm eating such a short window of the day, like I want to make sure that I get like good nutrients or whatever from my food. And so like, I'll always try to start with like a salad or a vegetable or something like that, and then have like something else, like a meat or something like that. And these are things that I never thought about before. Like I was never trying to get my nutrition from food before, like I am now. I think it's our bodies sending us that signal for the nutrients because our bodies don't count calories, but our bodies are looking for nutrients. I mean, we know from looking at pregnant women, when they have a nutrient deficiency, they might eat something weird like chalk because their bodies are sending them these weird cravings. And so, you know, our bodies do send us, all right, load up the vegetables. And one question we get from a lot of people who are starting off is how can you get all your nutrients in if you're eating one meal a day or in a short window? Right. And I don't know if it's true for you, but I, I would guess that it is. I'm pretty sure I eat more nutrients now Yes. in my short window than I ever did when I ate all day long. And my my meal might be drive-through, Chick-fil-A breakfast, right? <laughs> microwave, Stouffer's, you know, whatever, beef stroganoff for lunch. <laughs> By the end of the day, I'd probably only just had meat and starch in several different forms, maybe some ketchup. I don't know. <laughs> right. I feel like for years and years, my body's been crying out for nutrients. And I'd be like, did you say more candy bar? <laughs> right. The phrase that really speaks to that is we are overfed yet undernourished. Mm, yeah. I really think a good bit of the constant eating, 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 especially, you know, with the obesity epidemic is because our body is searching for those nutrients. Wow. Yeah. And saying, nope, that wasn't it. And then you put something else in. Nope, that wasn't it. Well, that's fascinating. It's like it's been trying to get through to me all these years and I'm finally listening. Yeah. And now finally, that mental clutter is gone because we're not sending so many messages all day with constant eating. Your body's like, all right, go to the salad bar, Russ. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Load it up, Russ. You know, your body is telling you that and you're finally listening. That's the way I look at it. Yeah. I don't remember exactly when it happened, but maybe three or four months in, like, I used to fantasize about what I was going to eat pretty much all day long, you know, <laughs> like... I would be driving home from lunch and I'd already be thinking about like, okay, what's dinner going to be? You know, I would sit down to work and I'm like a programmer. And so like, I should be focused on the job, but anytime the job was like really hard, I could just feel myself always thinking about like, what's dinner going to be? What's the next meal going to be? And I don't have those thoughts anymore. Or if I do, like, I do still think about like, okay, like I'm really looking forward to having a meal tomorrow, but then like, that thought will just go away and I can get back to what I was thinking about. I feel like that was the thing that switched for me where I no longer had to feed whatever my habitual desire was in the next meal. Like it can get to the point where it's time to eat and I can say, okay, body, what do you want to eat today? I can listen to what it has to say instead of just mindlessly repeating whatever has felt like a good idea for so many years. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. It's three o'clock somewhere. Time for a My Mochi ice cream snack. My Mochi ice cream is cool, creamy scoops of premium ice cream wrapped in sweet, pillowy dough. And get this. All of My Mochi's fabulous flavors, like strawberry, mango, double chocolate, and cookies and cream, are only around 80 calories per piece. Talk about a guilt-free, indulgent experience. Each box of My Mochi ice cream has six perfectly portioned, gluten-free mochis that are great for grab-and-go. So feel good while curbing your afternoon cravings, or the midnight munchies, yeah. You know who you are with the joyfully chill sensation of My Mochi ice cream. Find My Mochi ice cream at Target or visit MyMochi.com to locate a grocery store near you. Well, I have really bad news. We are almost out of time. Yeah. 
So as you know, I like to ask, you know, what would you tell someone just starting off with intermittent fasting or something you wish you knew when you first had started? What's your best advice? Right. I like this question a lot because I feel like this is such an important time when you're trying anything new and hard is just getting started. One of the things I think about a lot when I think about getting started in things is, you know, those space shuttles, there's like the orbiter and then they have that really big tank on the belly of the space shuttle. And then they have the two solid rocket boosters on the left and right side. Yep. So these space shuttles, they'll go on orbits that are like eight days long, 14 days long, whatever. But those solid rocket boosters on the side, they do their job for about two minutes and four seconds. And then they are ejected from the sides of the orbiter. This trip is like 14 days long. They will do a job for two minutes and then they will be ejected. And I love to think about this because it's just such a testament to how important it is just to get moving when you're starting out. You might read a story in the intermittent fasting group about like somebody that's lost 150 pounds or somebody whose skin has completely cleared up. And that might be the thing that you hear that you tell yourself like, okay, this is my time. Like I'm going to get started. But nobody gets to the moon in their first two weeks of intermittent fasting. The thing that you have to focus on when you're just starting out is to just keep going. And you might feel motivated by results, but try really hard not to get weighed down by results. And if you're not seeing the scale move, whatever, just give yourself the time to establish the habit. Because as long as you can make it through the first month or so and really establish the habit, you will have a solid bedrock of a habit that you can start tweaking and you can say, okay, well, I'm a month into this and I feel different, but I haven't lost any weight. So what can I do? Can I try alternate day fasting? Can I try shrinking my eating window? There are all kinds of variables you can play with, but you have to get the habit installed before you can do that. I really encourage people to just focus on getting that habit going in the beginning. The other thing I like to think about when I think about getting started in new things is I remember back in January when I was starting, I've been carrying this lingering, nagging thought of like, this is going to be so much work. When I weighed 300 pounds, I was thinking I can start losing weight at some point, but I know it's going to take me like one or two years to lose this much weight because that's how far in physical debt I am. It's just going to take a long time to get out of. It was just like, oh, two years of suffering, that's going to be terrible. But what I discovered one or two months into it, I actually really started to enjoy it. Right. It's not suffering. It's not suffering at all. Like you might think of it in the beginning as like this long slog you have to get through, but it can be like Christmas waking up in the morning and discovering that a new pair of clothes fit that you haven't worn for like eight years or something, you know? So basically enjoying the process and not looking at there's a finish line, but that every day is an enjoyable part of the trip. Yeah. If you feel like it's going to be a long slog, just like give it a little time and see if you find out that you're enjoying the process because it happens to a lot of people and it's not such a daunting thing. It can actually be like, one of the most fun things you can do for yourself is to kind of work on something that's been nagging you your whole life. And enjoy the rod. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and check out Happy Scale. <laughs> yeah. Is it on iOS and Android or just on iOS? It's only on iOS. Thank you for asking. Android users, I'm sorry to have to say that too. It's only because I am a solo developer. I've never taken any venture capital and like it would be like a full rewrite to do it on Android. So Exactly. It's different. People don't get that. But I do as the mother of a developer. People always ask, when's your app coming to Android? When's your app coming to Android? And it never did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he sold it to a company and they'll probably put it on Android because they do have the capital to do it. But when you're a solo app developer, the language is different. You know, you don't just program in Android and in iOS. You know, maybe some people do, but I don't know that many do. I do do both of them, but it would be a complete rewrite from the ground up of just like translating everything over. So it's something that I would love to do someday. And I'm trying to grow my business to the point where I can do that, but it's not here today. Well, one day, one day. Well, thank you so much, Russ, for talking to me today. I really enjoyed it. 
Thank you so much, Jen. It's been a pleasure to be on the show. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast.